down now to this moment on the Sermon of the Mount, which makes this moment so powerful that it should call us to maybe examine our lives and see if we are the ones who are wise or we are the ones who are foolish. And so Jesus puts it up front. Everyone who hears these words of mine, can you imagine, just imagine for a minute, being one of maybe a couple of thousand that's listening to this sermon. And, you know, 2,000 years later, I'm now preaching it. But can you imagine being the original audience and listening to Jesus wrapping up this Sermon on the Mount? Staggers the imagination. The one who hears, akuo, that means to listen and to process. Uh, those of you that, <clears throat> well, in school, when we were in Bible college, it wasn't uncommon for somebody to put their head on the desk, maybe up late studying, they're not listening to it. And this is the way a lot of people, they don't even hear it. Or they hear it and they go, I'm not going to do it. Well, Jesus says, we have to listen, we have to hear. But then he follows up, and I think this is the key. Jesus has said this repeatedly throughout the Sermon on the Mount. It's not only hearing, it is doing. It is not merely, oh, that sounds nice, Jesus was a good teacher, but he's not the Son of God. No, they heard it, and then the, the, the disciple, the true disciple, will act on it. Listen to what he says. And not only hear it, but does them, poyo, to carry out or to perform. So Jesus did not spend this time uh, sitting, preaching to the multitude, just to have people to listen to it and then go away. Jesus called the disciples and those who would follow him to action. How are you doing? How are you doing? It's a tough challenge. But how are you doing in regards to this? James 1.22 says it this way. This is like the third time I've used this in this series. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what the word says. When the word says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, which Jesus made reference to, do it. When it says, give to the needy and help the poor, do it. What good is it if we see somebody that is in need and we go, may God be with you, and not do it? The issue here is to do. Many will say to him on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons? Did we not do all of this stuff? And Jesus will say, depart from me, for I do not know you. Here is where discipleship hits the road. We have to not only listen to the word, but we have to do it. Jesus says this person that not only hears, but does, acts, performs, practices, that's what I like about our Sunday school class. We're going through uh, Celebration of the Disciplines by Richard Foster. And we're trying to work on actually in incorporating discipleship into our lives. 
this person, Jesus says. And by the way, Jesus is using a human term to make a spiritual point. Now listen to what he says. This person will be like a wise man. A wise man. Who built his house on the rock. Wise man, phronimos, which means has insight or understanding of something. Most foolish people do not have insight. And particularly spiritual insight. They can't see the bigger picture. They can't see that there's a cutoff. That there's an end. Game in mind. And the wise person not only hears the words of Christ, but does them. Jesus says this person, the person that lives in that camp, will be like a wise man who built his house on the Petros, the bedrock. I like what Craig Bloomberg said in his commentary. The wise person living in in the Palestinian desert would erect a dwelling on a secure rock to protect the house from flash floods that sudden storms created. What is your spiritual house built on? Is it built on Jesus Christ? Or is it built on something else? It's the reason I'm pounding this so hard is this is the language of the text. Jesus wasn't just saying, oh, the wise man who built his house, he is passionate here because he is landing this sermon. If you didn't listen to any of the Sermon on the Mount, please hear this. This is important. This is crucial. Now, the next issue that Jesus addresses is life, I think. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on the house. Donald Hagner, in his commentary, wrote this. Matthew describes typical storms in a hot, dry climate near eastern lands, blasting winds, torrential rains that produced sudden rivers where formerly where there were dry wadis. Flash floods, they come suddenly, they come upon you, and actually there's, uh, in some of the survival shows that I watch, there's certain areas you need to be careful of because even though the, the riverbed may be dry, all of a sudden the storm can come through and people have died where there was Uh, where there used to be dry ground, they died in a matter of minutes because the water was so gushing and powerful. So the question is, in my mind as a theologian, pastor, whatever you want to call me, within reason, uh, what are the storms? What are the storms? Let me give you three ways that you can interpret the storms, and then I'll tell you what I think is a good way, what I think is not a good way, and then you decide between you and God. The first is eschatological, eschatological judgment. 
Now, what does that big, fancy $15 word mean? That means the day that you stand either before Christ or before God. Now, some scholars hold that view. The problem is what I find, God did destroy the earth by flood back in Noah's day. But what I find particularly in the New Testament moving forward is fire. This is something different. So that's one way to interpret it, which I guess you could use that, that on the day of judgment when it beats against you, you will stand. But I don't think that's Jesus's point. The point of is discipleship, how you live your life now. I think a better way, and one way that I like the best, and I put it second because I got a third one that I think is, is possible as well. The second way of interpreting is the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. Now you think about the storms in that context. 2 Timothy 3.12, all who, who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. There will be storms that come against you because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. This is certainly one way. If Jesus is using the parallel between basically the saved and the unsaved here, then you could easily make the case that Jesus is talking about to follow me requires obedience. I often worry, and particularly since I've been going through this series, I've often worried if we have missed the point of discipleship which is why I wanted our Sunday school class to begin studying this issue of discipleship. People that say they got saved when they were six or seven, but there's no evidence of Jesus Christ in their life. I'm a conservative Southern Baptist pastor. I don't know. It's not faith plus works equals salvation. And it's not works equals salvation. The issue here is the heart. It always has been. You either live for Jesus or you don't. At the, let me say this. None of us, and myself included, none of us do this life perfectly. That is quite impossible. But when there is no evidence, when you are living exactly like the world, and there's no remnants of God or any talk of the Bible or any spiritual thing, and we just get so worldly and wrapped up in the world, does that faith save? I don't know. As a, as a senior Southern Baptist pastor, I simply don't know. But I do know this, that when somebody comes to the altar or in their bedroom and they mean business with God, there is a life change. You can't leave the cross the same way that you came to it. It's, a, it's totally impossible. There will be some type of conviction on your heart of how you are to live for Jesus. I realize that there are times when churches beat you up. Trust me, I know that very well. But if you can walk away from the cross the same way that you came, maybe you need to go back to the cross. Uh, the issue here is not faith plus works. It's working because I believe that my faith is genuine. 
and that I want to be obedient to Christ as much as I can in my life, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a stand for him. And Jesus said, the person that does this, when the rains come and when they hit you full force because, hey, aren't you a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, I think you need to crawl back into the cave in which you came from. That's the kind of stuff Jesus says. It's, it's not going to be an easy life. This is not an easy life. And those that say, well, I'll follow Jesus to a certain point. I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm just saying I've got question marks. But it can also refer to life in general. I do not like the first one. I think that we're judged by fire, that there's fire in the New, New Testament. God said when he destroyed the earth by flood that he would put a rainbow and he'll never destroy that. So I, I, I shy away from that one because Jesus here is talking about living now. So it has to be within the context of life and discipleship. But life in general. And life... Have you guys and gals ever noted life can hit you really hard at times? Where it feels like you are swept out to sea. Tuesday, now this is... That guy on the right... By the way, that was my ordination. That's Roger. Roger was at my ordination. We spent a lot of time in those three years, and then we connected on Facebook. Last Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, when I said we do not know how much time we have left. That was on Sunday morning. Roger passed in his sleep on Easter morning Sunday. Roger used to listen to our services. By the way, his son reached out to me, the one that still lives in Germany. 59 years old. He had posted something on Saturday, and I said, where did you eat? And I didn't hear anything back. I didn't think anything about it. And then his wife, Tuesday morning, when I was up in my office, I got a notification, and it said that for those of you that did not know this or hear this, Roger passed away. I was shocked. Listen. It doesn't matter whether you're seven or 70. You do not know the next day. And therefore, knowing the variables that can come along, it should make us think about First of all, am I saved? Do I truly know Jesus Christ? Uh, have I, when I really prayed that prayer, that sinner's prayer, did I mean it with my heart? Because see, you can verbalize the sinner's prayer and not really mean it. I can baptize a hundred elephants in here, but it doesn't mean they're saved. It's the person that not only hears the word, but does the word. That really hit me. I was, I was kind of floored by that. I just talked to him a couple of weeks earlier. He's a great guy. And like I said, when we were in Germany, we were 
we were tight. And I'm, I am grateful, and please pray for his wife and his kids. Uh, I was grateful that we reconnected so that we could communicate. Yeah. That was a long time ago. I had hair. It was short. It was still military hair, but I had hair. Lay a solid foundation. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. There's nothing else. Please know this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Please, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, please. See me after church, wherever. Please talk to me or one of the deacons. Lay a solid foundation, not a faulty one. Not a faulty one. Now, Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount. By the way, I've got a great video. Yeah, I wish I'd have thought of it. But. And everyone who hears these words of mine, these are the same people that are in the audience, generations that came after the Sermon on the Mount and our generation, those who hear these words of mine, and by reading it, you have heard the words of Jesus. I believe that God inspired the Bible. There's no errors. Everyone who hears these words and does not do them. So this group, again, the issue here is choice. You can hear the words of Christ, you can hear the words of the Bible, and you can do them, or you can hear the words of the Bible, hear the words of Christ, and go, nah, I don't want to do that. Those are two groups. Me poyo, me poyo, it negates the statement of doing. So in other words, the person does not practice them. You know, what you believe and what I believe about Jesus, about being a Christian, what we believe comes out in crisis. I've met so many wonderful, wonderful Christian people now 31 years. Wow, it's gone. I've met so many wonderful Christians who at the moment, whether it's them or their loved one, I know my Jesus lives. And they have joy in the midst of tragedy. Yes, sorrow, even Jesus cried, but not the sorrow that is without hope. When the storms come, because you're a follower of Christ, and when the winds blow, and when they beat on your rock, the foundation of Jesus Christ, of course it will not crumble, because it is on the rock of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of life. And so, <laughs> yeah, This person, I 
Stuart Weber writes this, the present tense may imply that both hearers, those that do and those that don't, have been exposed to his teaching. In any case, both hearers are now accountable to obey what they have heard. Again, Jesus does not do this in your life. Jesus says, I want you to follow me out of love because you love me. You think about the people that you have in your life that you love. You do stuff for them, right? You don't do them to gain your, their favor. You do it because you love them. I'm telling you to serve Jesus because you love him. Not out of obligation or uh, just to look at what I'm doing. That's not, that's, that's not it. You follow Jesus because you love him. People that are sitting out here, there's probably a 50-50 crowd. Ah, oh, yeah, he's a good teacher, but he's not the Messiah. So... Jesus says, this person will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. This word foolish is moros. It sounds like moron. I know you can't say that today. It's not culturally acceptable. But moros means extremely unwise. Who, who can listen to the words of Christ, whether read, St. Augustine read the Bible sitting under a tree. One of the early church fathers, he got saved and trusted in Christ by reading. The foolish person goes, yeah, I don't believe that Bible stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, that person's very unwise. He built his house on the sand. That's smart. Again, Jesus here, I believe, is talking about a foundation for life. Tell me which one of these two is stronger. Sand. Have you seen sand, particularly in the desert? It blows. Those rocks, they're harder to move. The other day when, Friday, when we had the boys out camping, we had to cross a couple of streams, and I'm always looking for the best way to get across. And there were rocks like this. I didn't, I didn't go in the water. I went on the rock and went across with 33 pounds on my back, going across and then up these steep stairs and across. But these rocks, I'm not going to put my foot because then your feet get wet. If it gets colder at night, you can possibly have issues. But you try to step where the stones are. You see these stones are much more solid than sand. Sand is, it just does whatever. Anything comes against it, it moves. And that's what Jesus is talking about. If you want to be a follower of Christ, you must be on the rock. Otherwise, you're left with something like this. A house will crumble the first time anything comes along. 
And again, let me, let me say this. You do not do it perfectly. That's not the issue here. The issue is the heart. And then he concludes it by saying, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat against the house, and it fell. But not just fall. Look at what Jesus says here. A gr- and great was the fall of it. Again, three ways to interpret these storms. One is judgment. Again, some scholars believe that, the cost of discipleship. But life, I also think life in general. We haven't gotten there, although I've preached it before. This is the issue. The issue is Matthew sixteen twenty four. Then Jesus said to his disciples, those that heard the word and are currently doing, doing them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's not only listening, but it's doing. So if you're living a life that's inconsistent with the Gospels, brothers and sisters, you've got to correct that. If you're not living the way you know that you're supposed to live because God has revealed it to you through Scripture, then you need to change the way that you're living. You need to look inward and go, you know what? I need to make some changes in my life. I need to, get my, I need to put that rock back in my, in my life right on top. And this is the key. Jesus says this as we move through here. We're not going to, but in Matthew 16, it really is... Because when people don't like you and they push against you, you've got the foundation. You're not going anywhere. Yes, and Jesus also said in the Sermon on the Mount, pray for your enemies. People that you don't like and probably don't like you. You're to pray for them. And that, do you know where that comes from? It comes from my heart. Nobody, and I believe this with all of my heart, nobody in this church and listening to this sermon today, nobody would ever intentionally, deliberately want somebody to go to hell. We might have said it at times, but in our hearts we don't believe that. We want everybody to come to know Jesus Christ, right? I think that's important. I want to close... this video is just, uh, Edward Carter posted this video. It was genius. And I, I thought, man, I wish I would have thought of that. But I don't have all the production stuff that he has. But I want you to watch this because this really does summarize this entire uh, Sermon on the Mount. But it also summarizes everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. My wife often asks me when I preach, why do you repeat yourself? Repetition breeds retention. Amen. Who said amen? That's awesome. Amen. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Watch this video. It's excellent.
Jesus said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Wow, simple little video, excellent. Let me ask you a question. Do you know Christ? And if you know Christ, what are you doing with him? I, I think that life hits us hard at times. Being a follower of Christ is not easy in this culture and it's going to get worse. But when your own life apart from you leave here and you go home how are you living I would encourage you to reestablish maybe even rededicate your life this morning to following Christ and certainly if you're watching by Facebook this morning and you don't know Jesus you, you don't know who he is let me let me tell you this Jesus is the son of God he was in heaven he came to this earth he lived a sinless life he took that sinless life put it on a cross to pay for your sin and mine he died he was buried three days and he rose again and he lives at the right hand of the father if you believe that and you trust in Jesus with all of your heart you will be 